Hi everybody, I'm Victoria Austin and I'll be hosting your show today, Shadow Talk, the weekly intelligence and cybersecurity news roundup. We're in the London office and joining me we have analysts Adam Cook and Phil Doherty. Welcome boys. Hello, thank you for having us. Hello, hello. How is everyone today? We're very good, thank you. Yeah, nice. Yeah, doing good. Not yeah. too bad. I haven't had you guys in a while actually. This is actually my first time. Well, welcome. How do you uh, feel about it? I'm buzzing, yeah, I'm excited. Happy wow. to be here. Very excited to have you. <laughs> Phil? Yeah, I've been on before. Um, it's been a while though. Yeah. yeah. I think actually, so today we're going to run through quite a few things. I think the biggest story is the Blue Keep um, announcement. So Metasploit, the Metasploit project published an exploit for the Blue Keep worm. So until now, the Blue Keep um, attack code hadn't been released. Um, what does this kind of code do? Remote code execution vulnerability on uh, Windows systems. So, you know, uh, successfully exploited on a target's machine gives the attacker uh, the ability to execute arbitrary code and, you know, can therefore lead to remote access and control, letting the bad guys do all sorts of bad things. Yes, yeah, so actually, the Digital Shadows Photon team actually tested this um, remote code and they um, highlighted that the uh, exploit not only gives the attacker kind of remote access to the target system, it also gives the attacker the highest level of privilege. Um, and I think another thing to kind of think about in this kind of release is the fact that the remote code hadn't been um, released until now. So there were some presentations that were released, but the actual um, POC hadn't been. And I think the release itself is quite important. Um, from Metasploit's perspective, their goal was to kind of spread knowledge about the vulnerability. Um, they argued that it kind of helps organizations defend themselves. But I guess on the other side of that, there is kind of this criticism that the exploit um, can now be used by attackers because um, they now have the working exploit, which could mean that they could carry out everything that is needed to be um, successful in a blue keep field attack. So I guess, how does this kind of sit with you guys, this release? Absolutely, yeah. I think, you know, you've kind of hit the nail on the head there. Often what we see when things like this are publicly released is that you're giving the opportunity for less technically capable, you know, potential threat actors to emulate uh, those and use the, the exploit um, without, you know, necessarily needing to know much about what's going on. So I think what you often see when this stuff is released, the same with when you see like the source code of other malicious tools being shared online, you often see an uptick or is often accompanied by, uh, you know, an increase in activity through the use of that tool um, or indeed in the case of Bluekeep, uh, the exploit. Yeah, I think from our side as well, um, the likes of the, well, the research that Adam himself do on a daily basis, we see loads of potential attacks coming through from the likes of uh, Metasploit and like Mimikatz and all, all these different like frameworks. So any sort of additional exploit module that gets put into that, it's going to be an, an add-on to a potential attack. And also it, 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 the exposure that that gains as well, like you say, it, it gives that boost of capabilities to, to lower level threat actors, but also to a, a large target audience. Um, who might not necessarily be aware of this kind of exploit module. Um, but I think probably the main thing to state on the whole Blue Keep thing is that there is a patch released. Um, so it's it's just about educating people and that you just need to update your systems. It's not the end of the world 
But it, if you don't do it, then you might be more vulnerable or there might be a greater likelihood um, that an attack could, could take place. I think if anything, if, if they haven't done so already, this is a good nudge. Might not have been intentional from Metasploit, yeah. but it's a good nudge in the right direction for those that are yet to implement relevant patches. Yeah, it gets, it gets a lot of media attention as well because of that whole yeah. self-propagating capability that Bluekeep has. Um, so any, any increase in attention like that as well is going to get attention from potential threat actors. So the faster you act on it, the faster you'll be able to mitigate any situation. Do you think that the media attention is sensationalising Bluekeep? Possibly to an extent, but I think it's, it's difficult to say for sure because this is such a, you know, it's almost as big as vulnerabilities get, right? Yeah. This is, you know, allowing, potentially allowing someone, like you said earlier, the highest level of access or the highest level of privilege. So I think, you know, there's definitely some media outlets out there that perhaps don't look uh, into the detail enough and give people, you know, Phil mentioned it just now, we need to be educating people as to the best um, practices going forward. So they might be guilty of that, but you know, I think it's quite hard to sensationalize uh, vulnerability like Blue Keep somewhat. Yeah, I think on, on paper, it is a high level, like quite critical vulnerability. Um, but as there is a patch released, you just need to update that that system, yep. right? Exactly. And then that's kind of the mitigation against it. Mm-hmm. Um, so on paper, probably it, it wouldn't necessarily sensationalize it because it is such a high level one. Um, but I think the media attention that it, that it garners can sometimes exacerbate things. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, I think another piece of recommendation that we gave is that um, if you haven't patched already, you should look to patch immediately. Um, So patch those vulnerable machines. Yeah, absolutely. Timely updates. Get on it. Great. Well, I guess moving on, we have APT3. Who are they? What do they do? (sighs) That sigh. (laughs) Tells you everything. Big old sigh. (laughs) Um, So APT3 are a Chinese or supposedly Chinese state-associated threat group. And why do you say supposedly? What's the kind of hesitation in, around that? So we can, ne- we can never be sure, yeah. um, because we, we, we don't necessarily have access to the fundamentals of the Ministry of State Security in, in the People's Republic of China. Um, we, we base that on a likelihood. So the infrastructure that we see, the capabilities of the group, we can say they are likely a state-associated group, um, but we can never say for certain sort of thing. But um, APT3, uh, like all Chinese state-associated groups, they are highly capable. Um, they use sophisticated tools. They use their own custom malware. Um, their methods and TTPs are, are up there with the best. Uh, and the People's Republic of China, um, those, those, those groups, uh, the likes of APT10, APT1 and 2, they are arguably of some of the most sophisticated groups in the world. Um, and there are only a handful of other regions uh, that are like that. So the likes of... Um, the National Security Agency in the United States, the likes of the United Kingdom. Um, these are other like high-profile countries that have that sort of capability. Now, with APT3, um, reports came out a while ago that they were using uh, the tools that were associated with a group called the Equation Group, and they are a National Security Agency-associated group. Um, so that's directly from the United States. Um, and in 2017... Uh, a separate group called Shadow Brokers had released information or leaked information about the tools that uh, Equation Group uses. 
Now, the bit that's interesting here is that APT3 was supposedly using the tools, uh, the methods emulating the TTPs of Equation Group before this leak came out. Um, and it doesn't sound too interesting. It happened a while ago, all of this sort of stuff. But the behaviours uh, and, and nation-state uh, monitoring that goes on, it brings questions as to whether APT3 were the, were the associated group with the tools originally or whether it was actually Equation Group. And if the, if they were originally um, the the state that were associated with them, where do they get them from? How come there's all this confusion that's going on at the moment? Off the back of um, all these reports, uh, one of the security vendors, they did a bit of a deep dive into one of the particular tools used by APT3, um, and it's called BEMSTOR. Forgive me if that's completely pronounced wrong. But BEMSTOR is a, a, a collective of different exploits, different zero days that APT3 has identified, but it uses... Um, some of the, the primary code from a tool called Double Pulsar, which is associated with Equation Group. So how do they got that code? I, I, I couldn't give you an answer to, um, especially if it was before this leak, before it became public. Um, were they sitting there monitoring the behavior of Equation Group? Were they able to exfiltrate this code or identify this code and use it in their own tools? Um, were they able to update it and make it more sophisticated? Um, I'm not sure. These are some of the questions that we just don't have for this incident, which is kind of why it sparks a bit of interest in, in, in the likes of us as intelligence analysts. This is, this is sort of the nitty and gritty that we like to see. Um, but this BEM store tool, it, it, it's based on some of the exploits, um, again, that were associated with this equation group. So we have this thing called Eternal Romance and Eternal Synergy, which are a collection of exploits that the NSA used or apparently used for offensive purposes, so offensive attacks and malicious attacks. And the fact that APT3 have tried to emulate that capability or emulate those behaviours and adapt them for their own, it kind of brings credit that the, this Chinese state-associated group is giving to the United States. And this is where the geopolitics comes in, where if they're such competing nations and APT3 have the capabilities to go off and do it on their own, why would they need to emulate a, a, a competing nations group and potentially give them credit and taint, taint their own uh, their own applications so yeah a lot of questions i guess around why they're kind of doing this yeah yeah and because it happened so long ago everyone it's not like it's not that everyone has disregarded it as an incident but we just it's now sparked up a whole debate and conversation about what actually went on like how where did these originate from the whole Shadow Brokers leak was a massive thing in 2017, um, and I'm sure we've all heard of it, but where's the credibility behind that now? Um, we don't know the origination of all of this sort of stuff. I guess um, some things are specifically around what they are doing, like what kind of information, like what are their so it doesn't, it doesn't say It doesn't say in the, in the reports. So APT3 are thought to be an inactive group at the moment. Yeah. Um, which is another point to make if they are that capable and they are that good at emulating other people's TTPs and methods and potentially bringing in like a false attribution so that their activity looks like someone else's, are they then that sophisticated and capable to lie low to the extent of people thinking that they are inactive? So ABT3 could still be active and they could still be a fundamental part to the Ministry of State Security in China, but we don't know about it. So are they active? Are they inactive? We're not sure, but it's it also it, it brings to light sort of some of the some of the heuristic stuff, some of the some of the biases that might come out in, in vendors' research and practitioners' research as well. 
So if we're looking at the likes of the People's Republic of China, the associated groups with that are typically determined to be offensive groups. They're out attacking people. They're sitting in people's networks and analyzing all, all this, uh, all the traffic and, and trying to gain access to these different organizations. Whereas the United States Equation Group could be doing exactly the same thing. So could the United Kingdoms. Again, we, we, we don't know. But as there are, as there is such a, a heuristic bias in some of these reports, it, it, it brings more questions to light. Yeah. It's, it's such a small, small incident or small identification, but it just opens up a whole, a whole rabbit hole of, of different <laughs> questions we can, we can give. So I guess moving forwards, what can, do you kind of anticipate with this threat actor? Or I guess more in, in terms of like reporting? Do you think people will be watching this a bit more closely? I think people will probably pay more attention outside of their typical worries of nation-state associated threat groups. Um, so we've all heard the names APT-10, APT-1, 28, all of these. These are the known malicious cyber actors. Whereas I think now that this has highlighted some of the different loopholes and, and some of the different possibilities that attention could be given elsewhere. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I'd agree. I think it's so hard to predict this kind of stuff now. Yeah, of I think one thing you can say is that this type of activity is likely to continue, be it APT3, 10, or, you know, other Chinese state-associated groups. I think, you know, Phil mentioned there that y you often find there might be some kind of heuristic bias going through the reporting on this kind of stuff, but it's hard to it's hard to break away from that because they do tend to emulate each other, share infrastructure and techniques, and are often primarily focused towards information theft. So, you know, there's definitely an undercurrent of same thing. It's just, it's, it's very difficult to say where they're going to go next or who they're going to target. So I suppose we could mention the attention that these exploits are going to get, uh, the likes of Eternal Romance, um, Eternal Synergy, the, the Equation Group. They are popularly widely known already. But if the, if the likes of this report has been released publicly, that would almost certainly get a lot of media attention behind it. And I'm sure there are other people who are asking the same sorts of questions we are. They, they won't have the answers to them, but the more people that talk about it, the more of these big names are going to be thrown around. Um, so we could see an increase in, in these sorts of exploits trying to be emulated or trying to be leveraged in attacks, um, emulating other actors. Um, but again, it's, it's, it's one of those that industries need to just be on top of at all times. Like state-associated groups, they might be less frequent than the likes of opportunistic data breaches and financially motivated attacks, but the impact could be so much worse if, if uh, a state is in, your, if, is in your systems. So the next story that we have is related to the silence group. Adam? Indeed, yeah. So we have uh, seen or it's been reported there's been a surge in activity attributed to the likely Russian cyber criminal group uh, that go by the name of Silence. And it's been observed since about the middle of last year that 16 new campaigns uh, have been attributed to Silence. And this has been um, consistent with expanding their attack geographies. So whereas previously, uh, before 
and kind of to before early 2018, silence were only attributed with attacks that targeted financial institutions in Russia or Eastern Europe. And what we've seen in, in this surge in activity uh, is, an, as I said, an expansion of this attack geography to include banks in Europe, South America, Africa and Asia. So all over the world, basically. And what we've seen in these new, cap- new campaigns is, uh, you know, uh, a focus on updating their toolkit with newly built programs for greater persistence and lateral movement within a target's network. Okay. And what were their tactics previously, previous to this? So a lot of what was reported on silence previously uh, was kind of centered around them emulating or using kind of copycat methods of other financially motivated threat groups. And it was reported that this was likely because they were playing catch up with these groups and weren't as technically capable or as, you know, kind of didn't have the logistical sophistication. Well, our take on that was, uh, you know, fitting with their name silence is that they were emulating these groups in order to remain undistinguishable from them uh, and, you know, thereby kind of go about conducting these attacks enjoying the fact that they were getting attributed to other groups while they kind of went about their business. Whereas now what we're seeing in the kind of operational sophistication and, uh, you know, sporadic nature of where they're targeting, it's, you know, kind of no longer feasible for them to take on this kind of copycat method. They're their kind of own established and developed group uh, we've seen new layers and stages added to their attacks, including, uh, you know, a quite a, a coordinated effort to perform reconnaissance. So they've been um, reported to have been sending out emails simply to just validate their email database so they can build a validated database of targets so they don't waste any time in sending phishing emails to those that aren't going to respond or interact with them. That we think has kind of added a maturity to their approach whereby they will spend time and effort creating a validated target list. Um, And a campaign that best displays this evolution was one that they conducted against the Dutch Banglar Bank, which resulted in the theft of approximately $30 million. And what they were doing here is that they were using this kind of... um, new multi-layered attack to gain access to the bank and gain access to the systems and they're using these new programs i think they've got a silence main module which is used for persistence and then they were using uh, a tool called the atmosphere trojan which was allowing them to get remote control of the bank's atms and so a coordinated effort with money mules was allowing them to steal large sums of cash from these banks and there's actually a really interesting yeah i think uh, we watched that one together didn't we we did the youtube video yeah uh, which is widely reported as these money mules who are working for silence and there's kind of cctv uh, cctv footage sorry uh inside the inside the bank at the atms and a rather suspicious pair of blokes walk into the atm in bucket hats and face masks and he's on the phone to what is believed to be a remote third party who's sending the you know who has remote control of the atm he's on the phone the entire time and he puts the card in takes a big wad of cash out puts the card in again takes a wad of cash out he's there for about six minutes doing this really interesting i'll recommend it to you i can i can send it on to you afterwards if you want to share it with the podcast 
Um, but what this campaign really showed is a you know higher level of logistical sophistication. You know, it's not easy to organise this kind of thing happening, whereby you target a bank, you gain access to their system. And then you deploy money mules to go and take advantage of the fact that you have remote control of their ATMs. So there's a lot of nuances to that. There's a lot of effort and, like I said, operational sophistication that goes into an attack like that. And this was reported to really kind of elucidate how silence have developed into this, you know, kind of highly organized cyber criminal group. Um a lot of a lot of things that we noted as well was a complete rewriting of their main downloader, which was focused on obfuscation. So they're basically uh, putting a lot of time and effort into hiding themselves. The, the, the silence downloader is like the initial infection uh, stage where they're trying to gain access um, to a target system. And interestingly, another thing that we noted was uh, similarities between this silence downloader and the flawed Amy downloader, which is purportedly uh, used by the also Russian-associated cybercriminal group TA505. And whilst silence and TA505 differ greatly in their attack techniques and infrastructure, it was reported that maybe these two downloaders had been written by the same person. So that was an interesting thing that we noted uh, in the report that we wrote. Um, you know, there's there's a realistic possibility of collaboration there, but it could actually also further suggest that Silence have significantly developed their technical capability whereby they've kept their favourite bits of the flawed Amy downloader and just modified it with their own, um, with their own kind of favoured code to use themselves. My, my finisher on that was that because of this surge in activity that has, you know, likely showed they're developing as a group, uh, Silence as uh, an OCG, as a cyber criminal group, are likely to remain highly active towards financial institutions. But because of their widely varying attack geographies over the last kind of 10 to 12 months, it's very difficult to predict where they're going to target next or what attacks against financial institutions around the world are going to be attributed to them. So I think that's everything for today. Um, Adam, Phil, thank you so much for joining me. What's been the highlight of your week so far? That's what we always end with. The highlight of this week? Highlight of your week, personally. Highlight personally? I had Monday off. <laughs> that, is a, that is a good one. I, I up. to be fair, no, I did do, I did like my fourth or fifth Kaikuro this week. Can you, t- what is the Kaikuro? It's the maths one. So I have like stayed away from the maths puzzles in the newspaper for a long time, simply because man don't do maths. Um, <laughs> but I felt it was a waste and I did actually complete one the other night. So I was very proud of myself for that. No, highlight, highlight of the week this week. I don't know, we, we made it to lunch by only losing one wicket today in the cricket. That was a highlight. <laughs> That's definitely an improvement on last week. So up the boys, let's, uh, <laughs> let's win the last test. Nice. Okay, well, thank you very much, everyone. That is Shadow Talk for this week. Thank you for talking.